Here we go. Hello, episode number 35. This is No Laugh Track, Acme Comedy's official podcast. This is Justin Severson, my guest today. Before I introduce him... He's black. He's black, so we have to wait because they don't have exactly equal right. Oh, wait. Yes, they do. Is this Black History Month? Or is that next month? It will be by the time people listen to this. <laughs> it's Black History Month. I have a list here I'm going to read. Bo Burnham, Angela White. Johnson, Whitney Latino. Cummings, T.J. Miller, White. <laughs> Ziz Ansari, some country in the Middle East, <laughs> Jen Kirkman, John Mulaney, Kristen Schaal, White. Mike Birbiglia, Pete Corielli, Italian. Yes, this is a list of, fancy white. <laughs> this is a list of 2009's uh, e- Entertainment Weekly's comedians to watch. The one name missing that I did not read is sitting right here on a couch across from me, Roy Woods Jr. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you for reading me the list of all the other comedians that have done more shit than me <laughs> since Entertainment Weekly chose us as 12 comics to watch. <laughs> Season Zara is making money. Whitney Cummings has nine shows on. Two of them she's executive producing. <laughs> Jim Kirkman's all in movies. T.J. Miller's all in movies. I'm freezing my ass off in Minnesota on a Wednesday night right now during Black History Month. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm on a sitcom. I'm on TV. I get, you know what? I guess I am doing all right. Let me quit acting ungrateful. I'm on a sitcom on TBS, Sullivan and Son. I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed to be where I am in my career. List or no list, be damned. It's good to be here. How the hell are you, sir? Very good. How many? I you mentioned you already mentioned Sullivan and Son. How many people uh, say how's your role on Sanford and Son? You know what's funny, man? I get that a lot, and I think it's just the S and S word play of it. Yeah, that just some people just can't let go of it, and people are stupid and they just can't read. <laughs> you know, I seen you on Sanford and Son. Really, the show with the bar is Red Fox still in it? It's his corpse. Up there, where the hell's dancing Grady? around? Great, he's dead too. He died. <laughs> I think he was a professor for a while in Atlanta at really? a college. In Atlanta. Yeah, fucking Grady was been selling. I used to think him and Cornell West were the same person for a while, though. Cornell West, I don't know. Who yeah, that is. Cornell West is this um, uh, kind of a black activist. He's a professor. Um, he's an Ivy League professor. Listen, man, don't ask me questions about my race. I don't <laughs> know all the specifics, but he's like. A, he knows a lot of black shit and travels the country talking shit about Obama, whatever, and thinks because he has a bunch of degrees, he's oh. qualified. Him and Tavis Smiley ride around in their hate mobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should call it. The, the Tavis Smiley, Cornell West hate mobile. Obama ain't doing nothing for us. Vote Mitt Romney. Yep. 2016. Yet uh, Tavis Smiley would still have a smile on his face. You know what I think is going to win the election Not when Obama's term runs out? Who's that? Chris Christie. Yeah? Chris Christie, um, New Jersey governor. Yeah. If he lives to then. I know. I mean, big guy. I hope he does. Not wishing death on him. But, no, no. you know, definitely. I, he would. He needs to talk to Jared. America and, loves uh, roly-poly guys. Well, he's just so not no nonsense, man. He just looks like one of those guys that just, hey, man, I don't give a shit, all right? Yeah. I beat your ass. <laughs> like, you're the governor. I don't give a damn. I beat your ass. How about how much he looks like uh, the Michigan Wolverines head coach, Brady Hoke? Yeah, he does. They're like twin brothers. <laughs> there's, dude, there's nothing funnier than watching a fat college football coach run out of the tunnel at the beginning of the game. 
jogging towards the sideline, leading his men in the battle. Yeah. And he's immediately wheezing. <laughs> I used to um I used to sell sodas at Alabama games. Um back like back in those days uh, back home in Birmingham, um, Alabama would split their home schedule between Tuscaloosa and uh Birmingham. So we would go and sell sodas at Bama games and watch like the teams run out into the field and this is mid nineties and at the time Philip Fulmer was the coach of Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. And he and he's not fat per se, but just just big enough to where that jog from the tunnel to the sideline would take a bit out of him. <laughs> and you'd see him jog over and he'd jog straight to the Gatorade. <laughs> and like you're supposed to be putting your headset on, getting right, your right. shit prepared. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe should have left a little early than the rest of the guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like, listen, coach, you just take this power scooter. <laughs> and you know, and that's the thing is, like, uh, college football players, you know, they're like what eighteen to twenty-two, like the fittest you could possibly be, young, and then sixty-year-old white man. Yeah, I don't get why the coach has to run out with them. That's why I always respected like baseball managers, where they just they don't even come out the dugout. Like, you could literally go an entire baseball game and never see the manager other than the beginning of the game where they trade lineup cards. That's it. Oh, yeah. There's no other moment. Smoke. They could smoke cigarettes while they're working. Yeah, pretty you know? much. Yeah. Go in, the, go in the dugout, smoke a pack of cigarettes, come back out. It's like the, these days, you can watch it on TV. It's like you're a, a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> no, no shit. So uh, <clears throat> welcome back to Minneapolis. I'm not going to say it's good to be back. I don't know if you were pausing and waiting on me to say back to you. Um, this is a great club. This is a cold city, so I'm conflicted. Yeah. You just got here today, correct? Uh, yeah, but you know, I've always worked this room during the winter. Winter is the best time for comedy, anyway. The summer, you're competing with fun and vacations and travel and yeah. children who want to go to amusement parks. Whereas now, during the winter, schools in session, the kids at home, babysitters, whatever. Yep. Um, people tend to do more things that are indoors, and there's nothing better, man. This is easily one of the, mm, I'd say top. 10 clubs in the country maybe top five. Oh, i i i uh yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd argue i make an argument for top five they should shoot a tv special or something here i think they did didn't they shoot some well there's the, been some last comic standing stuff here. yeah there's yeah. been some stuff here man think, this club uh, looks real good on tv i think doug benson uh recorded a little bit of super Jaime here yeah i heard um chad daniels did a dvd here that's right it's real small intimate low ceiling this is how comedy is supposed to be done it's not supposed to be done in some big cavernous our room seats 480 people if you need a waitress walk over to the waitress phone booth and call down to the front desk and a waitress <laughs> will like to me that stuff comedy's become a little too commercialized but yeah i get it so you know there's a uh, yeah we have one of those in Minnesota. Yeah, let me be careful because I, I don't I just I don't want to get on your podcast and just sit here and bitch about the state of comedy because I will, and <laughs> somebody who'll download this and then they'll go download some other podcast that I did and then they'll just listen to like eight different podcasts of me just bitching about the state of comedy. So <laughs> I'm trying to give people variety here. So sure. let's sure. talk about hockey or big booty white girls well, or I, some other shit that's indigenous. I, I like all to of the those area. things. Yeah, it's indigenous to this area. Well, you just said 
You said you were working at the uh, Alabama games. Yeah, yeah. What? Sell it like up and down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. I was the guy with the sodas. Get your cokes. Get your ice cold. Well, that's what I was just doing tonight. Seriously, while you were here on the stage, that's what I was doing over at the XL Energy. Has it gotten any better that job? Because it's still my thing is this: that tray is heavy. That's what people don't realize. Like if you're carrying. The tray I had back in the day was 20 ounce. It was 20, 20 ounces. That's, I don't know, 30 pounds or so. Yeah, probably. It's a lot of weight, and it's just hanging on your neck, neck and arms, and I'm like 14, and I'm ripped back in those days before I started eating $5 Little Caesar Hot and Ready's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a thankless job, you know. How long did you do it? I did that for three years. That was one of my first jobs. Um I mean, it's college football, so you only do it four or five times a right, year. Right, right. But when we did it, man, it was great money. I mean, you could leave easily with a hundred, hundred fifty dollars in tips, and that was nineteen eighty. It was nineteen ninety two, ninety three, somewhere in there. So I don't know what the inflation rate is or whatever, but I imagine those tips would go up. Um, I used to sell those sodas, man, and I would take the money and just buy Nintendo tapes. I, I look back on. I've always been bad with money. I don't know how, man. Like, how the fuck? Like, I like, I was 14. I didn't have any bills. I didn't have a car note. That's what it's supposed to go for. Video yeah. games. That's all. But I didn't. I I was not into sneakers. I didn't wear a lot of expensive sneakers. A black guy not into sneakers? I, I Dude, I lived in the hood, man. I didn't want to be a target. Oh, so, that's like, <laughs> like, everybody, I'm wearing Jordans. You go right ahead, dummy. Nobody's getting murdered for Charles Barkley's. <laughs> and I will wear those first Charles Barkley Nike Air Force, the original Air Force ones. Those used to be Charles Barkley's shoe before it became whatever it is today. Okay. And I will wear Barkley's and Reeboks or L.A. Gear Street Hikers. Ooh. Nobody was still in. Don't make that noise. They were the shit back in 87. L.A. Gear? LA, yes, they Come were. On. Don't you make that face. Come Fuck on. you. L.A. Gears. Um, British Knights, yeah. BKs. What are you doing? I'm street hiking. <laughs> With the little light up sole or oh, whatever. Yeah. Dude, man, I used to wear all that cheesy stuff. I had some and BKs, some British Knights. Pretty cool modi in the commercial. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, it was very simple stuff, but I don't know where the money went. I've been doing that job uh, around town here since 1991, so about the same time, and I'm still doing it. So you like it then? I do. I, it's, you don't, uh, you're not choosing to do that. That's just at this point, it's free sports. Yeah. Do you know, they? It's a uh, it's a job that a lot of people never leave. At least here, I don't know how it is in other parts of the mm-hmm. country, but I mean, there's guys have been doing it for thirty, forty, fifty years, and I'm already it's over, it's I'm already not a bad gig. Years. And I mean, at least you're indoors. I was outside in the southern heat Oof. in August. Dragging sodas up and down the stands for drunks who snuck in the little two ounce airplane bottles of liquor. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it's that was a good job. It was it was fun, but that was my first that and raking leaves and you know just the usual neighborhood yard work boy. Yep. But my first job with a pay stub and a tax return was um, Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins in Western Hills Mall. In a, you worked in a mall. Yeah. I, but now that was the coolness. Really? Back in those. Oh, yeah, man. I don't know how it is up here, but down south, like you were the shit if you had a job in the mall because everybody came to hang out at the mall. I suppose. Yeah, that's so cool. yeah. everybody 
yeah, so all the girls, and I'm selling ice cream, so I know you're going to come by to see me. The only downside was that stupid-ass pink shirt. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Can't flirt in a pink shirt, man. You can try, but it just it just doesn't work out, so I'd try and hook girls up with a little extra ice cream. Oh, yeah, I got your extra I used to right write here. my phone number. On the paper around the cone. Come on. Oh, yeah. I used to like the little paper that they automatically wrap the cone yeah, with. Yeah. <laughs> I'd sneak and write my phone number for a chick. And then my manager is like, yeah, you can't do that. Uh-oh. And I'm like, why? He takes my pen, writes the number, then pulls the paper off. The ink was bleeding through onto the cone. Into the cone? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> These chicks are ingesting pen ink and probably have some sort of internal intestinal condition now. Because I wanted to bang him back in 1994. They're coming back with black tongues. Yeah. Sorry about that, chick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it up to you. Here's some free ice cream. <laughs> Here's an extra napkin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How, uh, this isn't your first time at Acme. How many times have you been, uh, been, been here? This is my second. second. Uh, I worked here for the first time last year. And that's probably one of the coolest things about television is... After I did Last Comic Standing in 2010, I came in third place. It really opened up a lot of opportunities for me to work cities that I'd never worked before. I mean, this is comedy mecca, but, you know, Minneapolis is one of those cities where they have such a strong local scene that unless you're a headliner, you can't work here. It just... It's hard to break in because mm-hmm. they generally don't work out of town. It's because there's a farm system here, and oh, yeah. it's set up, and it's great. And it's great, which is why so many great comics have come from this market, because mm-hmm. the clubs support the local, the, the growth of locals. But if you're a feature act from Alabama and you're trying to get a little bit of stage time in Minneapolis, the shit ain't happening. So you go and get on television, then you can come here and headline, and that afforded me that opportunity here. San Francisco, Seattle, all these great comedy cities, you know, where I, Austin, Texas, where I could just finally get in and work the club on a regular basis without the whole, trust me, I'm funny, please, trust me, please. Where are you living now, Roy? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles now. Yeah. I moved back. I was there. I moved out there from Birmingham in 07. And I stayed in L.A. for three years, and then I went home. Um, The radio show that I used to co-host promoted me to host. So I went home to host the radio show, still work the road, do my road gigs or whatever, and ended up getting fired or quitting, whatever. Uh, The situation with the sitcom on TBS started growing to a point where it was conflicting with my work schedule. And the people at the station made a decision it was just like, yeah, listen, we see what you're doing. Uh, you should go do that. We're going to get another host. But thank you. So that just ended recently, then? Uh, yeah, that was three months ago, three or four months ago. That was October of 2012. Holy, you were doing radio up until then. Yeah, I was doing morning radio. Every morning I was up. And if I was on the road, I had a satellite box I traveled with, and I'd plug it in. And through the magic of technology... Trick listeners into thinking I was in the room. Sure. I mean, which was all fun stuff. I mean, I loved radio, man. That's what I majored in in college. I've always had an affinity for it. But, you know, it just it just ended up being something that when you start looking at 
what you like versus what you love. You know, you have to go with what you love. You know, it, it my the closeness of my love between radio and comedy is like the difference between a hamburger and a cheeseburger. It's, really? I love them both. But yeah, yeah. When you yeah. add cheese, it changes everything. That's cool as shit. Wow, we got a lot, we got a couple things in common here. Walking up the stairs selling selling uh liquid refreshments, radio jobs. Comedy, all of that no, stuff. I need to get on a stage somewhere. Well, this is the closest I'm going to get. All comedy is is a conversation. Yeah, that's true. So how did I, I'm really curious about the radio thing. So did you? Uh, when did that start? I mean, were you already out doing? Uh, were you already stand up and then? Yeah, I was already stand up. I started. When I was in college. I started stand up in '98. I was um, a junior, I think, in school. So when I graduated in '01, I moved back to Birmingham. I went to Florida A&M okay. in Tallahassee. I moved back home, and the local radio station, the guy who had been there for five, six years, and king of the city, this guy Ricky Smiley, um, just amazing, an amazing talent. Ricky leaves the station to go do more famous people shit. And so I go down to the station, and I'm figuring I'm a shoe-in. I'm already a comedian. And, um, they knew you from being on that show, or no? no. They had known. I was three years in the comedy, fresh out of college. I had I didn't have a TV credit yet. I was just I may as well have said I'm a comic. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. Like, so I walk in with my little resume and transcript and whatever. And long story short, I got I got hired as an intern. But in order for me to be on the air, the only thing I was allowed to do was prank phone calls. Okay. The only thing I wanted to do on radio when I started was sketches and little funny, weird, quirky, little offbeat stuff. That was the only thing. Like in terms of what I think is funny, I want to do fake commercials. I want to do parody songs. That's something Ricky Smiley didn't do a lot of. Okay. Ricky was already known for pranks. So I don't want to come behind Ricky trying to do what he did. I didn't understand radio then. The, you know the you know the thought process of radio. You just give them the same thing over and over. Ham and eggs, ham mm-hmm. and eggs, ham and eggs, Comfort. ham and eggs. When you change it to steak and eggs, your ratings go haywire because someone was counting on ham and eggs. Yeah. So they wanted mm-hmm. to keep doing prank phone calls. So they go, we'll bring you on as an intern, but you have to do pranks. So I started doing pranks, and they started hitting. Yeah. It was it just. It was one of those things where it was done strictly as a survival tactic. All right, to keep this job, I have to do that. Yeah, I, I trust me, I know. And I ended up being good at it, and that kind of blossomed into me having opportunities to do everything else I ever wanted to do in radio. And that's why I'm not even mad about anything that happened with the radio journey. It was it was a great experience, and. The last two years when I was hosting the show, you know, they gave me a ridiculous amount of creative freedom. I had bosses that did not get in my way. Really? At all. Good for you. Now, they would nitpick about certain aspects of something. Mm-hmm. Like I could say, you know what? Tomorrow, I want to light my ass on fire on the air. Yeah. And I'll go, you know what? You should do that outdoors. And do it in the nine o'clock hour when the kids are in school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not going to go. You can't light your ass on fire. Mm-hmm. There's just this weird negotiating middle. And that 
because so much of what I'm doing now creatively, a lot of it is spun off of my writing from radio. All of the comical stuff that we're doing on radio, I'm just making visual versions of it. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing else to it. So you so could you get get into a were you actually run on a board or anything like that you push buttons yeah I could I mean we ended up hiring a producer because I was always out of studio yeah I was out of studio probably two to three days a week because of my stand up travel and I didn't want my co hosts pushing buttons because I want them mentally we felt like we were a more cohesive show when everybody all they had to do was focus on talking so we got a little intern from um, Alabama Birmingham and hired him on his only function in life was to push buttons and handle the phones and all of that stuff. And that way we could be more consciously invested in the show because uh, our station had just switched over to a new, um, some touchscreen shit. Like it was a really involved board. It wasn't like something simple from say 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, That's probably what I'm working with is the 10 year old one. Yeah. and, And it's like, once you learn it, it's easy. But when we first started the show, when, when my first, when my show first signed on with me as host, we were two months into a new building, one month with a new interface and a brand new board. Oh yeah. So we got to figure out our chemistry while also learning how to not play commercials and music at the same time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so there's technical stuff, and then there's the cre- you know. So it, it just it was too much. So we just hired a board out, and by the time everyone was comfortable with the board. By then, it didn't matter. Everybody was like, all right, well, we like this setup, so we don't want to change it. So yeah. we left it like that. So I, as I told you when, uh, when we just met here tonight before we started recording, I had no idea that I have heard your voice so uh, probably a hundred times in the different prank calls that you've done. I had no oh. idea. <laughs> no idea. And there's a, you know, I know there's a there's a good percentage of the listeners of this podcast that also listen to the morning show I work on, so they know the line. I don't care if you're from the Hoochie Coochie Tribe from Mississippi. <laughs> well, the guy that set her up, that was a, uh, you know, that was pranking that woman was you. I yes. had no idea. Yeah, Barbara's check is the prank call if people want to. What's funny about that prank and it going viral, and that was like oh five. I I put that prank on the internet. I think a month after Hurricane Katrina. Okay. And I think that's probably something that it was already a nationally galvanizing story. And I just looked up on lightning in a bottle. I was totally unprepared. I really dropped the ball on that prank. My website, that prank call, when it hit, my website went from like 500 hits a month to like 40,000 a day. Yeah. Which is just unheard of. That's and it's not even a lot when you think of the millions and millions of hits other websites get. But I'm just a fucking radio intern, poster, and I wasn't even doing that for the national. I put the pranks online for people in Birmingham to get. The, if you miss this morning's prank, go download it from my page. Right. This is some shit for the locals. Yeah. It's not even for you. And then I'm getting emails from guys in Oklahoma and Montana in newfoundland canada that's a very funny oh my goodness i'm like who the fuck are you right. dude i don't know you stop prank email like i'm thinking people are pranking me when that thing went off and went viral but you know it was the pranks are fun i'm gonna do one last album and then after that i think i gotta retire oh really yeah because it's it's fun but it's a young man's game you know and i got the level of irresponsibility required 
to do prank calls properly. I don't, I don't have anymore because I'm I'm older now, man. I'm in my thirties. I got fucking shit to lose. Yeah, you know, like someone sued me now, it fucking would affect me. You have something to lose. Yeah. How do you get around the? I mean, because they're not. You know, I don't know how much just the average person knows about uh, prank phone calls. And very how illegal. Done. They're you very can't illegal. Really do them anymore? I mean, not within the law. Yeah. You can't. The law. The way the law goes is, I can't record you without your knowledge first. Right. Yeah. Without without notifying without telling you that the call is being recorded. Right. In certain states, incoming calls you can record. Which is where a lot of guys get away with. There's a uh, there's another great print caller. This guy Tom Mabe. Yep. Um, yep. Mabe records all the. Jim Florentine does the same thing with telemarketers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's all okay. That's how those guys get around. Yeah, they get around it. What we did. Yeah. What I did, I would call the people. I would do the prank. I, you know, you don't tell them that you're recording it or whatnot. But you can also get these people to sign paperwork that waves that right to sue in and fucking your world up. Yeah. Because well you recorded me without knowing. Well, you know what? Here, sign this saying that you knew that I recorded you and that you're okay with me. Da 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 da. And they sign it up and it's fine and then we air the calls. And I suppose it's not much different than like uh, you know, if I'm watching an episode of Cops and there's some thug that they got on there. I mean, doesn't that guy have to sign something at some point? I don't, you know, I don't know with that, with so much of that being public record, especially if it's happening in public. And I know this because I flunked mass media law three times. Oh, um, like when you're dealing with stuff that's happening in in public with a camera, you can record whatever the naked eye can see. That is true. Yeah, we just did a story recently. You can record people. Uh, like if you're in your window naked and I'm on the corner, I could record you because you're in your window naked. And without a camera, I could still see you naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you. I'm thinking no. about someone far more attractive. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but no, that was how we got around it. And our station was always cool about it. And some stations won't allow it even with the waivers. Like we would do, I would do verbal waivers and then I would send you something to sign before the prank. Like a prank would air, a prank that's airing now was probably going through the legal process three weeks earlier. Like, that's how long it took us sometimes to get pranks approved with people. Um, But that was the safest way to go about doing it, you know, and I don't know a lot of stations that take that chance now. A lot of stations fake prank phone calls. Yes, I saw the interview with you in the uh, local paper here at Star Tribune the other day, and uh, you were talking about this. And you're right. I understand why they do it. I just... I... I understand it from both sides. I'll just say that at the end of the day, ham and eggs, ham and eggs. So if the people are entertained, it really don't matter whether or not it it really doesn't matter whether or not it's fake. But for me and my own personal preferences, and that's the comedian in me wanting to be genuine. No, I really want to see where this goes because that's more exciting. That's more fun. The butterfly feeling you get in your stomach when you're doing a prank because you literally do not know where it's going Uh -uh. to go. I've had calls in well. I've had calls. There's people to this day that hate me because I prank called them. I like literally. The, there was a guy in Cleveland. Um, his kid, first or second grader, mm-hmm. got caught jacking off in class, and so I called him pretending to be another parent, saying that he taught my boy how to jack off. 
and I don't appreciate it. Right. I didn't know that this was something sensitive to this man. Uh-oh. Yeah, but then again, I also don't have a child, so maybe I didn't even realize that this was insensitive. And see, that's the shit you don't think about when you're 24. No. When you're doing a prank, but that's the shit that makes the prank good. Damn right. But now at 34... I'm worried about this and that and and the prank ain't funny. Yeah. And I've unfortunately set a bar that's pretty high for myself with everything that's on the net that I just can't put out any fucking bullshit. But yeah, that guy, that guy wanted to beat my face in. Um, There was a lady who owned some property in rural Alabama and I called her pretending to be the county um, claiming eminent domain. And saying we were going to um, run a freeway through the middle of her field. And she started mumbling Bible verses Uh-oh. and talking in tongues. Uh-oh. And, like, it it got ugly. Yeah, that and, means there's no sense of humor there. Oh, none whatsoever. No. You know, and, and, I've, and I've learned ways around it. Even with people that mad, there's still a way around it. And you just hide. You hide behind the person who put you up to the call. Oh, you know, you there's, you know, yeah. hey, can you call and tell them? call them on three-way into you know and we all straighten it out ha 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 but it doesn't always go like that sometimes yeah. they go south yeah i uh i've been working in radio since boy around the same time you i started 98 as an mm-hmm. intern and uh it was up just until like a few years ago i had no idea that radio stations were doing uh, these fake ones because i had a, i have a friend that uh she was telling me that um she get she knows a guy that that produces them for many. Probably a guy you've met at some point, but he's a guy that just yeah, prep these. services. Yeah, your yeah. only function in life is to provide your voice to forty different morning shows yep. every day and do the same little weird stuff exactly. and sketches. And I don't want to spoil Christmas for anybody. You know, Santa Claus is real; he's a good person. But <laughs> some of these stations do fake it. But if you're entertained by it, don't sit there and overthink what's going on because at the end of the day radio is just escapism it's not like they're faking some serious political conversation to influence your opinion on gay marriage it's just some fucking phone sketch or some relationship some boyfriend called up and i caught my girl cheating and can you cut and they called the girl and a guy answers the phone whose phone is this why are you answering my girl who are you who are you fucker ham and eggs that's all it is. Yeah. So you went to school for communications. How did? Where did the acting come come in? Where did the what? Acting. Uh, you know that didn't. I didn't get bit by the acting bug until I moved out to L.A. You can't just do comedy anymore. It's not enough. Comics caught a reputation. I'd say somewhere in the early two thousands. You know, oh one, oh two. Um, Hollywood finally caught on and realized that you don't need a comedian to have a funny sitcom. Mm-hmm. And so as all of these people started coming out of Second City and UCB and all of these improv troops, you saw a lot of improv guys heading comedies. You had Steve Carell with The Office, oh, yeah. The Gang at 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of funny people on uh, those CBS sitcoms. I mean, before Mike and Molly with Billy Gardell and I think Gary Unmarried with Jay Moore, Jay Moore. when that was on. Mm-hmm. Most of the hit comedies, even now, comedians are not the lead. Mm-hmm. But the people they have are fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was. That's why I'm rooting for you know Whitney Cummings' show to do well. That's why I'm rooting for 
you know, these shows that are on FX with Jim Jeffries, you know, Louis seems to be holding ground just fine. Like anything with a comic in front is good for the business because at the end of the day, you still have to be able to act. But I say all that to say being funny and being popular and having a following is not enough. It used to be 10 years ago. It's not enough. Even And 10 years before that, you didn't even need a following. All you had to be was funny mm-hmm. or someone thought you were funny or just do Letterman. Just do Letterman and someone will give you a show meeting and hand you a sitcom. And now it's, it, you know, it, the game has gone from you're funny, let me help you get a show to you're funny do you already have an audience? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise I can't help you go find it. You know, you go find your audience then come back. Well, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people would help you find your audience. They would put you out there. Let's see where it goes. But now if you're not walking in the door with some preordained Dane cook level fucking servants, you know, people aren't going to look at you. And that's not to say Dane cook isn't a talented comic, but one would be stupid to think that his following w- did not account for network. Like, oh, when oh, a network yeah. is assessing whether or not to work with him versus Joe Schmo Funny, right? Why not work with the guy that already has a fan base that's going to support whatever the fuck it is y'all do together? Yeah, there's a reason why he hosted SNL twice in a year and was in mm-hmm. every other movie for a few years span there. Yeah, because yeah. he had a huge following. Absolutely, that's how it works. Oh, um. So on Sanford, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we've had, uh, I've met Steve Byrne. He's a good guy, very funny. Fun dude. I was just talking to uh, some of the guys <clears throat> that I work with over at the uh, Wild Game tonight, and I was saying I was going to talk to you, and you're on that show. And I was, Brian Doyle Murray, he's on, he's he part of that show, right? Bill Murray's older brother. How is that? I, I would Caddyshack. Love, I would love to meet him someday. What can Jovial. He's tell like tell me jo- he's a good guy. Very great guy. He's like an off-duty mall Santa. That's the only way I know to describe him, where he's just happy and jolly. That just, hey, guy, yeah, you guys. Yeah. Just a funny-ass dude, man. I, I couldn't say a single bad thing about good. him. He's also a Cubs fan, like me. Oh, okay, so yeah. We get to sit and talk shit about the Cubs a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good guy. That whole staff over there, man, is great, and. You know, um, Vince Vaughn, who's the executive producer, uh, he's great. Uh, Rob Long, who used to um, EP on Cheers back in the day. I, it's just been a solid cast. It's been, I almost think it's a bad thing that my first experience in television is this show. Because I think it's setting me up for something far more torturous. Right? It's like when your mom dated the guy who always treated you good and took your places i'm sure my oh, next brought you big gulp yeah her next boyfriend's gonna beat on me when she's gone <laughs> next one puts his cigarettes out on yeah you. but at least i'm on a show right so i shouldn't <laughs> complain but i'm dreading that like because as much as people have said good things about this show it makes me wonder what the fuck is going on on the set of all these other shows like i do not get that at all is it a good thing what do you, that it's on TBS? Would you rather? It's a great thing. You don't care? It's a great thing. Would you rather thing. have it someplace else? No. It doesn't matter to you? No, it has to be there. Yeah. Because TBS is a network that's dedicated itself to trying to be funny and trying to create funny original content. Yeah. 
And they've been trying to do that for probably the past five to eight years now, I'd say. You know, even when you go all the way back to My Boys and Ten Items or Less oh, and yeah. Jim Gaffigan and them had a show. That's right. Um, you know, all of that stuff, to me, it says something. It says something about a network that's far more dedicated to making something work, whereas if we had been on any other network where you're just something else to do or just something else, like, would you rather play ball for the Marlins or ride the bench for the Yankees? <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it's not to down TBS, but TBS in terms of finding their way in that niche programming of what they want to do and what they want to be known for. They're still in the early stages of really making that mark. So who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Because if you're strong enough, then they're going to stay dedicated to the show. They The network completely stays out of our way and letting us develop um, the ideas and everything. Like, I don't the writing staff doesn't seem to be stressed about what the networks are. They're extremely supportive. That's good. And you need that. You got to have that. What uh, is the second season? Yeah, second season. We start back. Um, second season starts in June. June 2013, Sullivan Sons back. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. Um, Film any yet? That's still too early, right? So what? You haven't filmed any yet. No, we start back in March. We start back in March, and then when the show starts in June, uh, we go back out on a national tour. Because, again, this is another show with a comedian at the front that I love. Uh, Steve Byrne, myself, Owen Benjamin, and Ahmed Ahmed. We all go out. Oh, really? Yeah. We did a tour last year. Uh, We only did, like, probably nine or ten cities. I think this year we're going to double up and probably go 20, 25. But... Yeah, it, it was it was definitely fun to get out and meet people. And I think that's one of the advantages we have over the improv shows or whatever. Is that, you know, we're all comics, so we can go out and touch people. How they split the checks, though? Well, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the same as they do on set. All right. <laughs> which means I get paid like the token black guy I am. <laughs> But nah, it's fair, man. Everything's fair. It's 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 been a great experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Not even to go back and do morning radio. Yeah, uh, you know, did you? Uh, I do have a question. One more question about that. When uh, you started as an intern, were you getting paid at all? No, no, I didn't get paid the first two years I was at a radio station. Yeah, I got about the same story. And Somewhere then, and then oh, zero yeah. to minimum wage. Oh yeah, I got bounced up to twelve five, and then like seventeen five or something ridiculous but i was taking the prank phone calls and putting them on cds and selling them um at record stores for those of you listening who don't know what a record store is this is where you would go to buy music before there was fucking itunes imagine if itunes was a building that you could walk inside of with less selection and a shitty employee up front who made bad decisions and yeah, some stoner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would go around and, uh, drop my CDs off in those stores on consignment and go pick them up the next week and collect my money. So radio wasn't paying me, but I was making money because of radio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a way to supplement the income and I was still working the road as a stand up. So for me, freedom of travel was more important than anything else so when radio said we're not paying you i said fine but i'm only coming four days a week because you know that fifth day i'm gonna go i'm traveling i would leave town thursday afternoon or thursday night 
or I would take Monday off and use Monday to take my time getting back to Birmingham. But if oh, you're yeah. not going to pay me, I'm not going to avoid. But when I was there Thursday through Friday, you bust your ass and you do everything. And, you know, and it's just yeah, radios like anything else. It's just about waiting your turn. Yeah. Are you a morning it. person? I mean, you know. Not really. Yeah. I've never been a morning person, even when I was doing radio. But it played right into my personality and my sensibilities are my dispositions basically grouchy on the general anyway so yeah it worked out perfectly (laughs) (laughs) oh man that first cup of coffee though in the morning there's nothing better i'm more of a coca-cola guy i'm not big on coffee coffee. i can do morning soda i know it's not healthy Mm -hmm. but hey whatever you need to wake me up whatever i need to wake up and keep from drifting into your lane of traffic and hitting you i think you should let me have roy the pay is not great the coffee at work is free if I want a pop, I got to pay for it. If I want a Coca Cola, that's called pocket. <laughs> All right? You know what? We're done with this interview because you just called it pop. I know. It's soda. Soda. And you come soda in pop. here with your. No, there will be no middle ground. <laughs> Fuck. It's soda. I knew as soon as I said it, I was like, he's going to get it. It's soda pop. No. It's a Minnesota thing. No. You know, I'm going to tweet that pop. tonight. I'm going to tweet some fury <laughs> <laughs> at you locals. Here's what I like uh, when I'm at the Wild game tonight. Beer, pop, peanuts, cold beer. I say pop. If I said soda, people would go. Well, it doesn't flow. Yeah, no one's going to buy. Pardon me. Beverages. Carbonated beverages. Beverages. Sugary treats. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. (laughs) Like I'm wearing a pair of pink panties. Beverages. Mm, Beverages. Yeah, so you're a baseball fanner? Uh, casual. I'm not. No, I take that back. Casual basketball, diehard baseball. I've been a Cubs fan since um, mid '80s. Yeah. Sandberg, Dawson, Damn all right. of those guys. Yeah, man. Vance Law at third base and. Uh, back when we had Joe Girardi. Oh, yeah. Joe Girardi was a damn cub before mm-hmm. we traded him to the Yanks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I love baseball. I played baseball up until college when I saw real pitching and quit and started working at Golden Corral. I got to college and realized, oh, wait, the ball comes faster. Yeah, and it moves a lot. What the f- is this? And what race is that dude on the mount? It's called Cuban. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. It looks kind of black. Dude, I grew up in a Birmingham. Birmingham's eighty percent black, man. You grew up in a black city on a black side of town, and this is early nineties, early to mid. I graduated high school in ninety six. Mm-hmm. The, the Latinos had not gotten to Birmingham yet, so I'd seen one or two, but they played soccer, and I'm not even. That's not even a racist joke. They literally played soccer, yeah. so they were never around. They didn't come around to the baseball field. Mm-mm. I got to college in Florida, and I saw, like, nine different South American races. I was like, what the fuck is this? Don't worry about where he's from. Just worry about whether or not you can hit him. I can't. I'm going to go to the counselor and get job apps now. (laughs) Place me in a job. But, yeah, if you've ever picked up a a bat and a glove, I think it's impossible to still have a love and a special spot in your heart for that sport. Damn right. For the rest of your days, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rhino. Ryan Sandberg was my oh, favorite. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Rhino to Sean Dunstan, the grace. Uh-huh. 463. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Sean Dunstan had one of the strongest throws from shortstop. Yeah, that guy was angry. Threw his back out, lifting his baby out of a car seat, though. How big was That's that pretty baby? much, I don't know. That was a, I think he was trying to pick a chick up, fit a passion, and just use his kid as a cop-out. Probably. <laughs> hey, as, I have two kids, so... Uh, I will say that it, it's uh, it comes in handy as an excuse about things sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Indeed. Have you been to Wrigley? Uh, twice. Yeah. Twice. Um, once box seats down low, field level, and then again rooftop. Yeah, me too. I've been to the rooftop across the street. That's. I didn't realize it was such a party over there. I thought it was just you sit in the sun and be quiet. But oh no, mm. catered. You probably catered oh. there. Oh yeah. Dude, it was so nice. It was literally like being at a house party where you didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. That's what the rooftop is like. And it's like, oh, by the way, there's baseball going on across the street. Mm-hmm. It's such an incidental second thought that it you is. don't even think about. Oh, wait, there's a baseball game? Okay. I guess I'll go look at that. Atmosphere is incredible. Big tub of beer. They're grilling right out outside on the roof there. Fantastic. I'll tell you a spot you'll enjoy. Um You'd probably like, um, what's it called? Minute Maid Park in Houston. Oh, yeah, never been. Granted, they're going to American League this year, so that's going to be shit. Um, you should go. But when you go, get the outfield pavilion seats out in the restaurant. Oh, yeah? It's like being at Applebee's at a baseball game. And we all know Applebee's, pretty mediocre, right. semi-shitty place. Yeah. But when you add baseball, it's one of the most amazing things. You just the, you're that so close to the field, you can smell the dirt on the morning track. I yeah, mean, it's I'm talking dirty now, bro. Oh yeah, come on, good stuff, very good stuff, <laughs> yeah, I man. Love baseball, so that's right up my alley. That's right up my alley. What uh, I, you do? You've been on some of the late night talk shows, correct? Yeah, I did. I did Letterman. I did uh, Conan. Craig Ferguson. Conan's TBS show? Uh, yeah, no, I did it TBS. Um, that's it. I haven't done Leno or Kimmel. I never submitted for Kimmel. I don't think my style works for his show. But, I mean, I've, I've done, um, and then with Leno, I don't want to say you can't do Leno if you've done Letterman, but generally... It's one or the other. Yeah, that's kind of the unwritten kind of rule until you're so famous that they're both dying to have you. Right, right. Like, until they're calling and asking for you, you should pick one. Right. That's, right, right. You know, get caught cheating on them or whatever. But, yeah, I've I've been blessed, man, to have some opportunities to do a lot of late-night stuff. And what's funny is how different the game has changed and how the Internet and DirecTV being 800 channels down – like you could do Letterman in 1987 and have a career because there was only nine channels. Yeah. So everybody saw you. Whereas now you could do Letterman and you're lucky if you get two tweets about it from somebody. Hey man. It's related to you. Yeah. <laughs> hey man. I just want to tell you, I love you, Steve Harvey. It's a great fucking great talk show you have. I saw you on Letterman tonight, Steve Harvey. We love you. Family feud. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> man. Oh man, Steve Harvey. Hey, I uh, I saw that you've worked with Cat Williams. 
once. Oh, just once. Once before he was crazy though. Yeah. I worked with Cat. Um, this is when I was still with the radio station. We used to do a big comedy jam or whatever, and I opened up for him. Um, it was him and Cash Money, like Little Wayne and all those guys. I mean, it was, it was fun. I tell you, it was fun to work with Ron White. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, probably one of the coolest headliners in terms of big wigs and got money type guys that I've probably ever worked with. Seems like he'd be generous with friends. That's what I don't know why I think that. <laughs> he drinks $200 a bottle of scotch on stage every night. Yeah. So you got to have money and be generous. This is when I knew I wasn't famous when I was dealing with Ron. He, um, <laughs> we're backstage. I opened up for him in Huntsville and. It's me, Ron's chick or whatever, and like two other people. And it's just a guy over there in the corner that's not really, he's kind of tucked off from everybody else, not really saying anything. I went over and spoke just to be cordial. Yep. So I'm talking to Ron, and I didn't know I didn't know a lot about how to stay in your place or whatever. And mm-hmm. You're an opener. Just be happy to be here. Yeah. Take it all in. Speak when spoken to and leave it at that. Sure. My dumb ass trying to mingle. Hey, Ron. Uh, um, yeah, so what time are you guys flying out tomorrow? Uh, we're going to leave right after the show. Probably leave right after the show. A couple of hours. Oh, you leave in a couple of hours? Uh, but this is Huntsville. The last flight out is 9 p.m. Airport's gonna be closed. How are you? Where how are you gonna leave town, Roy? I have a plane. Yeah. <laughs> like that concept was so foreign to me to be so rich that you have a fucking plane that you bring with. I go what? I have a plane. Mm-hmm. I go you fly it. He goes no, that's my pilot. And he points to the guy in the corner. And I look closer at his white dress shirt. I go holy fuck, that's a fucking captain shirt. You have your own plane, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, you know, I'm on Delta, but you know, I got status, so I get, I get upgraded. Yeah. <laughs> like I've never felt more poor in my life. Like it was one of those moments in my life where I go, no, I'm not famous yet. Mm. Uh, Thanks, Ron. Yeah, appreciate you for bringing me down there, buddy. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ron. Do you think your pilot can give me a ride to the other airport? <laughs> yeah. Hey, drop me off, and I'll jump out the plane or something. <laughs> you been any movies yet, Roy? Trying to do that? Nah, no movies. Nothing? No movies. Um at some point I have a couple show ideas in development, but right now I'm having a lot of fun just creating web content. Oh oh, let me plug this. Um, oh my website, Roywoodjr.com, Roywoodjr.com. Um we're doing a some black history webisodes like fake black history vignettes nice uh, for the entire month of february so i had a lot of fun putting those together with some of the actors and stuff and i think we got a lot of good stuff out of it so that's going to be a blast to put out oh um so you got the uh prank cds prank there's three of them you said yeah, um, they're on my website. You know, and the prank calls are funny. There's a little bit of stand-up comedy on all three CDs. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. But I haven't done a full stand-up disc. I'm doing one. I've already recorded it. I just haven't put it out yet. Uh, you know, when I start, when I finally had it produced and done last year, I ended up getting cast in Sullivan and Son. So it was three months production. 
three months on tour. Then I started my radio show. So it just literally, there was just never a moment where I could get back on track to do that. So, you know, you know, it is what it is, but you know, it's definitely a good thing to be able to be busy, but I think I'm going to try and get that out there. Probably. I'm going to say April or May. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Give or take. So yeah, we got some good things lined up, man. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my life, man. I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. I'm a PlayStation 3 player. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. What do you play on? Um, Call of Duty right now. Um, I like Saints Row. Oh, yeah. Um, I do some baseball and tennis. Um, fuck, what is the game that I've been playing every day? Oh, FIFA Soccer. I've been playing the shit out of soccer. Soccer. I don't know why. Is it, is it more fun on a video game than it is like watching it on television? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. On TV, I have a an appreciation for it, but depending on the teams that are playing and their style of play, I just don't have a tolerance for it. It's like watching the San Antonio Spurs, where you gotta really appreciate that style of slow. We're gonna win sixty-two to fifty-three. Tim so, Duncan basketball. Yeah, versus the Phoenix Suns back when Steve Nash and them were putting up 120. Yeah. Now, that kind of soccer, yeah, yeah. I can watch that all day. Like, yeah. But, no, some of it is just ass, man. When I, uh, When's the last time you were at an NHL game? Hockey. Never gone. Never. Nowhere. Never gone. Yeah. Never NHL, never NFL, only baseball. Really? Only baseball. I was supposed to go into a couple of Atlanta Hawks games. They play preseason games in Birmingham, and I miss that. And I have friends that drive over to Atlanta from Birmingham and take a party bus or whatever the hell. Um, and I'm like, dude, I just don't want to do it. I mean, the Hawks are cute, but I rooted for so long for the Charlotte Hornets, and then they moved to New Orleans. And it just ripped my heart out. I don't know why, because I lived in Alabama. I shouldn't have given a shit. But after that, I just kind of checked out of the NBA, so I was never really diehard. I'd go if somebody had a suite. Did you get so like a drink for free? Yeah, damn right. Did, remember we were talking about the shoes? Uh, Larry Johnson, Grandmama, Grandmama, remember Converse. Did you ever have the those? Converse? Those? What do you got? Jump too eccentric. Those? Too eccentric. Too much going on in the Larry Johnson Converse. It was. A little, little, little too much for me. Not my thing. I'm a subtle man. How about the Deion Sanders ones that had the crossing um, the straps? Think, yes. No to his sneaker. Yes to his baseball cleat. I wore the Deion Sanders baseball cleat, which was like a high top. Yeah. It was similar to the sneaker, but it wasn't. It wasn't the same to me. Hands down, the baddest pair of sneakers to ever be made by Nike outside of the Air Max 95. You should Google these. Is the Junior Seau's, the Air Missions. Um, I'm a bit of a Nike nerd in that regard, but those were good. And the Shannon Sharp ones. Um, trying to think who did the commercial. I think it was Dennis Quaid who used to do the commercial where he's the weird psycho fan that's trying to sneak into an NFL facility. Do you know what he'd see? You know what he'd do to me if he found me touching his shoe? Bad things, man. Bad things. No, not Dennis Quaid. Uh, 
Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Yeah. Hopper. Dennis, yeah. The late Dennis, great Dennis Hopper. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. Oh, yeah. We do have that shoe thing. <laughs> I remember the first time I went speaking, like the, I went to Wrigley to see some Cubs games uh, with uh, uh, my family, and then I found out there was a Nike town, and this was like in the mid or late late nineties, Michigan Avenue. Yes, Michigan Avenue, yeah, Nike Town. I was so freaking excited. Yeah, I don't go as much now because Nike Town is clearly for runners and skinnier people. Because I'm a double X, triple X, and Nike Town, like, <laughs> that shit is like Old Navy. Or like a double X, it's like someone else's extra large. It's like, OMG, I'm a double I'm so fat, I had half a bagel. Like, what the fuck kind of double X is this? <laughs> um, But yeah, it's it's cool. I, like, I'll go to some of the outlet stores, but I'm hooked on buying sneakers off the internet and stuff. And I'm sure half that shit's fake, but... <laughs> Fuck it, it's nice. Remember, wasn't it, uh, what were those ones that looked like a Nike thing, but it was kind of like back, Stadia? Wasn't, do you remember Stadia, that? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like a Nike swoosh, but like upside down. There was a fake Jordans, there was some fake Jordans, not fake, but kind of like knockoff Jordans called Hoops. If you Google, Google image the Hoops, it was very, very short-lived, because you can't imitate Jordans. No, I remember, uh. It'd be like a donut chain being called Crunchy Cream. How long would that place last before you go, this isn't Krispy Kreme? Krispy Cram. Yeah, exactly. Crunchy Creams. Mmm, delicious. I remember uh, when Stefan Marbury was with the Timberwolves, he was like, uh, came, he was going to be the guy promoting the $10 and one shoes. And he did. Yeah. And he did. And no one bought them. Nobody bought them. Then he did the Starberries after that. That was his own shoe, and yeah, I forgot all about Stefan Marbury with his ten dollars shoe. I always worked on the theory though that guys like that they did that to keep kids from murdering each other, you know, oh, you think Steph was like worried about <laughs> the future yeah, it's all about see here's the thing. people get murdered over Jordans because they're expensive and because Jordan was a great player, yeah Stefan Marbury observed this. And decide it to be mediocre and make the shoe cheap. Therefore, saving black lives. Wow. I hope he gets the respect he deserves in Black History Month. Yeah, we should, we should do a tribute to him. <laughs> That'd be funny. I don't know where you'd find him. I think he's playing in I wouldn't interview him. Turkey. I, I don't interview guys that eat Vaseline. Is that? Yeah. Did you see I was that? trying to tell my girlfriend about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you streamed. You streamed himself crying about his grandma and eating Vaseline what on camera. What was gonna do? I don't remember. I just, I all I saw, I just ah, when he did that, takes me back to my days when I used to work at this chain called Shoney's. Yeah. Um, little Southern Cracker Barrel ish type chain, and we used to dare each other to eat a spoonful of butter for Ooh. twenty dollars. Well, Roy, thank you. I think that's it. Anything else? All right. Where did they depart? Um, Roy Wood Jr. is Twitter, Facebook, wherever the fuck you go to stalk your exes. I have a page there. Very good. Even Google Plus. Oh. As horrible as it is. <laughs> People might. <laughs> it's too confusing, Google Plus. No shit. Fuck Mark Cuban. Ended on that note. Fuck Mark Cuban. Fuck Mark Cuban. But we like the Mavericks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>